You're listening to Standing Before the Mass podcast with Chris Eaton, sponsored by Newport Nautical Supply. Hi, folks. Welcome to the latest episode of the podcast. My guest is Kelsey Patnod. Kelsey is a visual artist with an MFA in visual art from Leslie University of Art and Design in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That was in 2019. She also has a BA in studio art and a minor in art history from Salve Regina University here in Newport, which she earned in 2012. Like some of my other guests, Kelsey learned that cubicle life wasn't for her and followed her interests. We talk about her sailing experience. Kelsey came to sailing a bit later than some, but has had many great experiences, including sailing on a classic gaff rig Colin Archer out of Falmouth in Cornwall. Sailing professionally as crew on a classic 12-meter here in Newport, sailing aboard classics in the Caribbean, and most recently, racing aboard a shield she acquired with some friends. Kelsey and I have a proper ramble chat that continuously flowed between her world of art, sailing, and the sea. Early on, I think I began referring to one of her pieces of art, Thalassic, which was her thesis piece, without mentioning it by name. Kelsey thankfully recognized the fact that I was looking at another computer screen and explained it a bit more clearly. That work is called Thalassic, Women, Gender, and the Sublime in Relation to Marine Art. All of this can be found on her website, KelseyPatnod.com. That's K-E-L-S-Y-P-A-T-N-A-U-D-E.com. And I also encourage you to check out her Instagram account, that is, at KelseyPatnod which features not only some of her art and photography, but also some of her creative adventures, such as being towed on a surfboard from the topping lift of a yacht and being towed on a surfboard by a horse running on the beach, as you do. Kelsey explains how she conjured up both of these adventures and convinced others to go along with it. I really enjoyed meeting and talking with Kelsey and learning about her approach to art and how she's able to weave issues of gender, the sea, and art all together. I hope you enjoy. Welcome. Good, thank you. I stumbled across you. I was following your Instagram account and, of course, pictures of boats and things like that. And your do- a dog appeared, so that caught my eye. You're a professional sailor, among other things. Mm-hmm. How long have you been sailing and how did you get started? I've not been sailing that long. I A lot of people kind of tend to tell the story of, you know, they sailed as a kid and, you know, then they got into it. I think my parents put me into sailing camp about three times and I cried and threw a tantrum every time and they finally (laughs) gave up. (laughs) Um, But uh, maybe six or seven years now I've been sailing um, and I got into it. I was in graduate school the first time Mm -hmm. for um, a master's in graphic design and I was just finding that maybe a life at a cubicle might not be for me. And then I realized I live in Newport and what better way to try to make money than to sail. So I just kind of fell into it. What was the first boat you sailed on or how how did you get on the water that first time? Um, Well, I mean, I would go out with friends and things like that. But Mm. um, the first boat I worked on was one of the 12 meters Columbia. So I did two summers with them and it was a a kind of a crash course in learning how to sail because I think you go to the dock about five times a day. So get that down really well. Yeah. (laughs) You know, putting sails up and down five times a day. So it was great. So when you started on Columbia, they would have sort of moved beyond the corporate team building stuff and they were doing more of the headboat 
operation at that point? A little bit. We had a bit of the corporate stuff still. Um, I always was hearing about the heyday of the, the big corporate <laughs> stuff, you know, before the crash. Right. Um, but we had a few of those, which was fun because, you know, I started to understand what was going on with the racing in that kind of controlled experience. Um, so we did those and, you know, and then the headboat stuff. And then we also got to do some regattas with the owner, which was right. really nice. Yeah, I, I crewed on a classic 1923 Fife catch. When they did those corporate 12-meter team-building exercises, we would get the people who didn't want to do the racing part, and we would just sort of sail around as a spectator boat, which was quite fun. You know, you get to be yeah. out there without doing any really hard work. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely some days where I wanted to be on the spectator boats, you know, <laughs> it was like 90 degrees, and, you know, you'd been out there all day. I saw on, on your Instagram, it looked like, you had quite a sailing experience in Cornwall. Yeah, I actually, I once was dating a guy that was from Cornwall. So we spent a lot of time over there, probably not as much time as he wanted. <laughs> hence, we're no longer dating. Oh. Um, but yeah, we would spend at least a month, a year there. And he had a 1890 double-ended gaff cutter Colin Archer that you know, had been in his family for a few generations. So I was lucky enough to go sailing on that with him and his family once they finished doing the refit of all refits. Right. So, How big was um, that boat? 30 feet. Mm. Something, the bowsprit is something ridiculous, like a nine foot bowsprit for right. like a 30 foot boat. And, you know, it, it's retractable and goes in and out. But it's, we did kind of one trip on it around Cornwall, which was really nice. What part of Cornwall? Um, out of Falmouth. Oh, right. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So we went up the river fell and then over to the Helford River and it was kind of late fall. So my wife's from England. And when I met her, she was living in Newquay. And, yeah. and so I've been to Falmouth and all in that area. And we, we were actually married in Newquay. It's really I, nice there. There's some really nice waves in Newquay. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually learned to surf there. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great beach for it. They kind of, they keep one side of the beach for the people that are learning and one side of the beach that people know how to surf. And I'm like, why has this not caught on at second beach? Like, yeah. <laughs> I saw an image of you. It looked like you were being towed. Is it you being towed or are you just a photographer uh, by a, a topping lift behind a sailboat? Oh, I was like, wait, is this behind a horse? Where are we going? Yes. Um, oh, that too. We'll get to that. <laughs> I, I think I tend to get these ideas and I convince people around them to like help me accomplish them. And for some reason they keep doing it. So yeah, that was last summer um, behind the blue Peter, Matt Barker's boat. And I convinced someone else to let me borrow their whaler. And I was like, I need to do this today. <laughs> so <laughs> we did it. It was great fun. He had a charter on the boat that were like, what's going on here? <laughs> and I was like, Hey, I brought some rosé, you know. Yeah, so I'm so that was you on the surfboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they gave me the topping lift, and we figured it out. <laughs> wow, it was kind of weird. It was, I it kind of pulls you up, which you're sure. it's not really a sensation I'm used to. You know, getting pulled behind things. So was that like a wakeboard that had foot straps, or is that a proper surfboard? I used a surfboard. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the the initial standing up wasn't that easy i was in um he had his t um, tender behind the boat and so i was kind of sitting in the tender and would put the surfboard on the water and try to stand like take my moment and try to stand on it so it 
it was a lot of me just sitting there with my feet on the board. Right. Is this it? Is this the moment? <laughs> but it eventually leap, worked. A bit of a leap of faith. Yeah. 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 And the horse, you also did it with a horse. Yeah. I've got really great friends. <laughs> Let me use all their really nice things. <laughs> Where was that? Was that at second beach? Yeah, we did it a few years ago at second. We found that third beach tends to be a bit easier because it's um, shallower for the horse. Mm. You know, it's better for the horse to not have to run through such deep water. So we tend to do it over there and scare lots of families as we're doing it. One experience on a horse, and uh, I've done a lot of crazy things with snowboards, surfboards, and things at speed and at risk, but for whatever reason, and I've been to Bermuda on a sailboat a couple of times. I was never more scared. I was on a horse thing in, by Third Beach. It was a very mild little walk. And something spooked. Mm. There were three of us. There was a leader. And then my wife was on a horse. And I was on a horse. And uh, something spooked one of them. And all of them decided to go into a bit of a, a run or a trot. And I never felt so vulnerable in my life. <laughs> because I realized I was on top of something I couldn't control, basically. Yeah. I mean... That was scary. One of the things that fascinated me was your art, which um, impressive. It it reflects a lot of sailing, surfing, and you also and there's a blend in there. Um, I was particularly interested in your thesis because mm-hmm. you explore an area that I never even thought of before, which is women in the sea and how they were really relegated to this sort of domesticated role or if they did even get on a boat they would be in the in the galley say not doing the masculine things and that's changing obviously but probably not fast enough how did you come up with that idea to explore that well a lot of it kind of you know came from my experience I mean I was new to yachting and new to the industry and you know very quickly decided what type of roles I wanted to have on boats. And I was finding a bit hard to break into them. And, you know, you'd go to crew agencies and, you know, be like, you know, this is my limited experience. I don't have much, but this is what I'd like to be doing. And, you know, how do we get there? And, you know, I'll never forget being handed a book about like how to be a good stewardess. And, you know, really, that's a great job and it's a very hard job. And I respect the girls that do it and some of the men that do it, but, I was like, I don't have these types of skills, Mm. (laughs) you know? Um, And then I started seeing more and more of it happening and, you know, really started talking to the other women that were trying to do, you know, these traditionally different roles for girls on boats. Um, And we're all, we're feeling a lot of the same thing. And interestingly enough, all of this started to kind of culminate with the previous election. And then, you know, the Me Too movement started coming and, I think a lot of us just wanted to get our voices heard. And so I did a lot of talking to other girls and seeing what everyone felt like and just decided to kind of start making art about it. And Mm. a little bit taking the idea of a woman in this traditionally masculine role and traditionally masculine landscape and removing her as the object of other and making it seem more normal to have her there. Mm. And you decided to make that your thesis. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's a big one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where is that display now? Is it is it currently on display someplace? Uh, or was it just an exhibit? On, so the image I think you're looking at is our graduate exhibit at mm-hmm. Lesley University. Um, so that's where I did my MFA. That was on 
last June 2019. I actually was just awarded um, some studio space through Newport Art House at Innovate Newport on Broadway. Oh, yeah. And so we are, I'm going to be putting that piece up in there as soon as next month. So we're going to have, it's me and James, the my other studio mate that we have the space and we're going to do a show in the building. Oh, wow. The piece is about 16 feet long. Wow. So I've been trying to figure out where in the building I can actually put it. So it's hard to find a place to display the work because it is so large. And there's another very large one. And where is it? It's in New Bedford somewhere. So yeah, that, so the New Bedford Whaling Museum Mm -hmm. did a um, restoration of a 19th century panorama, which were kind of these moving IMAX cinema simulations of the day. So, you know, they would take these long, long scrolls of canvas and depict scenes and have them moving through with an orator kind of telling the story and, you know, the audience would go and see. And, Mm. you know, to that type of audience, they thought they were really embarking on these journeys. So that one that they had there was a depiction of a whaling voyage from New Bedford around the world in search of whales. And I saw that at my, about my midpoint of grad school and it kind of really shifted my work into that long scroll like piece. So I tried to take the ideas of the 19th century panorama and kind of creating this illusionary space and very controlled environment and brought it to my own work and kind of bringing up ideas of gender and the sea and the sublime and irrationalized fears and, you know, the pleasurable feeling of the ocean and taking all that and putting it into that long panorama format that they had. Wow. It's really spectacular. I don't think they, it's not up anymore, but they need to put it up somewhere because it's wonderful. But they, they are in possession of it still. Yeah, I was I was trying to see if they were maybe going to have it go to some other museums and have it travel, but I haven't seen any news about it anywhere else yet. But I'm sure the times have kind of so it's their it's their property now. Or it's yeah, in their and custody. It, yes, and if I think if you go on the New Bedford Whaling Museum on their website, there's um, great digital images of the entire thing, so mm. you can see a lot of it on there. In addition to the the twelves, just to go back to sailing, do you do you sail on shields? Is that I see images of you sailing on, you race on the Shield series. <laughs> so this year kind of put a halt on um, my normal job that I would be having. And so, you know, looking for a way to keep sailing. And I think also just everyone looking for a way to kind of keep a little sane and have some normalcy. Me and a couple of friends went in and we bought a Shields this June. Oh boy. <laughs> About a week before the series started. <laughs> and we slapped some paint on it and I think we had it in our possession for about five days before we put it on the mooring and we loved it we had the most amazing time we were definitely not the best and (laughs) we have a lot to learn and a lot to do to the boat and it's exciting because I think we're the youngest owners in the fleet it's a huge fleet it's a very Mm. very good sailors so we're having a great time and just, you know, watching everyone and trying to learn and absorb as much as we can. But I also found out that this year, because all the big races weren't happening, all the really good pros were around to go race shields. So yeah, we, uh, we, we, we hung in there, <laughs> but we had so a great So you still time have here. the boat. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, good. Just, we still have the boat. Yeah. <laughs> so we're excited for next summer. Get some nice work done to it. Do you do photography as well as painting? or? Yeah, so my work, I, I do a lot of um, photography kind of as I use it as like kind of field work and stuff that I do while I'm sailing. And when I was in grad school, I was racing on sunny in the summers and I would bring my camera and Laurel was the captain and she brought on a lot of girls on the boat, which was nice. And so I used the experience as a way to kind of document the girls in this racing experience and then take that and bring it over to the artwork. So I took a lot of those photos and actually did photo transfers onto the canvas mm-hmm. and then used the oil paint around it to kind of put these real images into my like fictionalized narrative of, you know, the sea and, you know, the issues that I want to bring up. So I do use a lot of photography in the work. Right. Oh, so that's interesting. So you use your experience in, in a real setting to then create a fictionalized account of mm-hmm. what you, the message you wanted to deliver. Yeah. Wow. I'm guessing by the, some of the boats you've mentioned that we probably know a lot of the same people. <laughs> <without Likely. laughs> I just, and I looked at some of the boats that I've seen you on or in some of your pictures, you've been on a lot of the 12 meters and I knew a lot of those folks back in the nineties, you know, during yeah, the, back in the good days. <laughs> Well, I didn't really, like I said, I, I was just on that sort of spectator boat, but, uh, and I was an assistant harbor master for a long time. So I, I would see them coming in and out of the harbor and, and I got to know the crew as a result. Yeah. And there, there was some antics. Yeah. There were some definite <laughs> antics there. How does um, the equestrian factor into it? How did, how did you, are you, have you just been into horses as well? Um, that was kind of, I mean, horses, have uh, been, so these are friends. <laughs> these are friends. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I mean, I've been into the equestrian sports. Um, I kind of got out of it a bit when I started grad school again, cause it's really hard to justify that as a sport when you have to take out another set of student loans. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I love being around them. Um, my roommate's a pretty big polo player, so it's fun to go see her do her tournaments and things. So that's fun to see, but it's also very good to take a step back from that world because it, it takes a lot of your brain power and a lot of your finances. So mm, yeah, I, I think after going to grad school, I think it's good to kind of keep that headspace open to you know continuing doing that work and continuing you know thinking like an artist rather than obsessing over horses. So you mentioned the the space at the innovation center. How will you use that space? Um, you, you mentioned your, your feature piece is a bit big for that particular room that you share, but you'll find some place in the building for it. How do you see yourself using the actual studio space? Do you have any projects lined up? I mean, it's wonderful what Innovate Newport has done and what Newport Art House has done for James and I, but we're basically artists in residence in that space for the next year. Mm. Um, and then we also are given kind of agency to curate our own shows in the entire building and then also kind of find artists that would be great to have in that space as well. And, you know, there's a lot of great office buildings, our offices in there and a lot of really interested people. So mm. hopefully we can get a bit more of an artist community going on through that network. But yeah, I have a few projects going on, trying to scale down the panoramas a Mm. little bit. um, So they're a bit more inviting for people to witness. But I do like the 
really big overimposing spaces as well because I think that's what the sea does to a lot of us. Sure. Who's your favorite waterfront character? Real? Yeah. Like a person in this town? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Have you, you don't have to name them if you're not comfortable. You said you came to it fairly recently, but we, did you just mm-hmm. walk down there and say, wow, that person's, you know, interesting or different? I mean, there's definitely a few of those. <laughs> I'm probably one of them. I'd probably say my favorite waterfront character would be my first captain on Columbia, Kevin. I think. Oh, yeah, I know Kevin. He's been, yeah, he's yeah. been a great yeah. mentor for me. And, you know, we definitely can butt heads at times, but, you know, we're always looking out for each other. But I love seeing him out on the water and giving him a hard time and him giving me a hard time. So (laughs) he's probably my favorite character in the, in the harbor. What position did he put you in or what role did he give you when you first stepped aboard? I remember going to see him up at NEB and I was, you know, being like, I want a job. And he was like, can you tie knots? I was like, no. He's like, all right, cool. We'll see you Monday type thing. I was like, ran home trying to figure out how to do a bowling. And I was like, oh, gosh. I don't know. I think he's put me in every role. (laughs) What's your favorite harbor or cove around here? I really like Brenton Cove. Mm. I don't know. I just, I like how the rocks are over there. And you can kind of find little spots to go cliff jumping. And it can be pretty quiet, but still in the mix. You know, you can see people going by. But yeah, I'd probably say Brenton Cove. Have you ever fallen overboard? No. Well, (laughs) mm, not really. We, I got to be a part of the refit of Marilee up in Maine Mm -hmm. and I was care. We finally put the boat in the water and I was carrying something onto the boat and it must've been like a huge wetback or something silly. And I fell down, butt first, legs still on the boat, head on the dock. Ouch. In between the boat and the dock. So that's the closest I've come to falling off. It was awful. And I think I just sat there for about 10 minutes until somebody came and like rescued me. Oh, you know, boy. In my own misery. <laughs> Did COVID affect any exhibits you had planned? Did it? Not really. I mean, the summers tend to focus a bit more on the sailing, mm-hmm. I think, because obviously that's when it's happening. So I didn't have any big things planned for this summer art-wise, but in a way, having a quieter sailing season has made for more productivity in the paintings and things like that. So now it's starting to kind of kick up and things are starting to happen. You know, people are coming together and, you know, we're realizing we all have to come together to make something Mm kind of grow during this time. So it's nice to see those things accumulate. The COVID hasn't placed any restrictions on that new studio that you, you're sharing. I don't think so at the time. We kind of have some good protocols about the building and Todd, the building manager, I think he would give us all a heads up if we're not allowed back in the space. But right now I can go. Yeah, right. We all wear our masks, it's great. <laughs> You mentioned sailing up in Maine, and obviously we talked about Cornwall. Where, where else have you sailed? What other waters have you? Bit of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. uh, a lot around Antigua, a few times down there. Being in school uh, really kind of restricted me about, you know, getting to do big trips and things like that and having 
you know, more permanent roles on boats during that time. But yeah, I like sailing down there, especially right now. Now it's getting a bit December 1st ish. <laughs> yeah, I just had contact with a friend who is he's in Puerto Rico and I think he's planning to go around to the Sea of Cortez. So he's he's got big plans. He left here not last year. Yeah, the year before. And they plan to come back, but then COVID hit. So he's been bouncing around and or staying in the islands and yeah. Now he's itching. The best place to be. He, he's itching to get moving again. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what kind of happens with the season down there this year, you know. Mm. I feel like it could go one of either way, you know, pretty busy or disastrously busy. Yeah, well, there were a lot of events were canceled and the last woman I interviewed, she, she spent most of the spring writing press releases for events that were being canceled. I think the Newport Bermuda was one of the first to cancel and they, they took some yeah. flack for it, but it proved the right move, you know? Yeah. Was it the a classic yacht regatta you did down in the, in, or? In yeah. Antarctica? Yeah. I've done that. Um, I've done the Rourke on my friend's classic boat, which was an exciting time. What boat was that? Uh, Vagabundo. Okay. I don't know. That German Furs catch from 1945. Mm-hmm. It felt like it had one foot of freeboard during that entire race. Oh, really? <laughs> it was very wet. Very, very wet. <laughs> I noticed you do some nice detail drawings of blocks and certain mm-hmm. things on boats. Rather, you know, that's that's a departure from your big scale images. Yeah. So the those smaller kind of detail works was a lot of kind of studies of figuring out, you know, how to merge the ambiguity of the sea and a lot of, you know, its sereneness and its turbulence, its masculinity, its femininity, and seeing how to kind of get those two realms together. Cause there's a lot that, you know, the ocean represents life and rebirth, but it also represents like death and destruction. So I was trying to figure out ways to kind of visually show that calm, but also the underlying danger underneath. So a lot of those small studies in gouache or those ideas. Beautiful image. It looks like you drew from inside the deck salon looking out. And I'm guessing by the topography in the background that you might've been down island. (laughs) Yeah. That's the blue Peter. (laughs) Blue Peter yacht. Yeah. I think um, that was, I was taking a painting course right before I went back into grad school, an elective at RISD, and they wanted us to paint the inside of our house or something. And so Matt Barker graciously let me borrow a picture of his boat so I could come in with something different. (laughs) And your your fellow students think you live on a boat? Yeah, they were like, who is she? (laughs) I should have just shown up in uh, galoshes and they would have thought I was like the Gordon's fisherman or something. Have you had uh, success selling your work or is it just on display? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Sometimes it's really on and then it gets a bit quiet. And what I found out is if you just do your work Mm -hmm. and you produce and you make, then people notice that and they become interested. Having this studio space and kind of the whole time of COVID has been a great experiment of realizing, you know, first and foremost, my passion in my job is to be an artist and not being pulled away to do other work that I normally would have been doing and love doing. Cause you know, making money is nice. And I also <laughs> enjoy what I do, but 
you know, it gives you that time to really give to the work. And I think, you know, it's starting a lot of artists that I've been talking to in the area, they're starting to see the differences of people recognizing that they're treating, making their artwork as a job. And subsequently, a lot of more people are buying artwork. And it's, mm. it's really great. I Back in the late 90s, before I met my wife, I dated an artist and she was based out of here. I think she did her MFA at Salve, but she was very frustrated and she wound up moving away. We're still friends. She did like you, very large scale things. In fact, one of her installations was a bit at Hasbro Children's Hospital and it was the whole wall. I mean, it was, wow. yeah, well, it didn't quite tell a story like yours does progressively, but she was frustrated because in Newport, a lot of her work maybe wasn't as well received and she lamented that everyone just wanted paintings of lighthouses. Definitely true. Yeah. <laughs> And she didn't want to paint lighthouses. <laughs> so yep. it just wasn't. I think I did. I snuck a lighthouse in one of my panoramas and I think I made it look very foreboding and almost melting in the background. And it hasn't enticed anyone yet, but somebody that likes lighthouses might want it. <laughs> right. You, you sailed in Martha's Vineyard as well. Um, yeah, a bit. I mean, cup? yeah. So I did the Vineyard Cup on Cephedra, which was Excellent. And I think I was only able to go for one day because I was working and, you know, it's always great fun with them. And, you know, mm. you got the cat on the boat. So that's always good. But yeah, they let me take my camera. I was still in school at the time and let me take my camera and do a lot of images and things like that. So I always like going to the vineyard and Vineyard Haven is a special spot. Well, I'm going to go and I'll let you go. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to read more of your thesis. I only read about the first four pages. It's, it's, it's long, but there's pictures. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I've told my dad about 10 times when I say, why don't you read it? There's pictures. <laughs> Great. Okay. Thank you very much, Kelsey. <laughs> yep. Good to meet you. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Standing Before the Mass podcast with Chris Heaton. Sponsored by Newport Nautical Supply. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.